Here we go. It's time to shift our schools. Welcome to Shifting Our Schools podcast. Shifting Our Schools is created and produced by Jeff Udick and David Carpenter. Shifting Our Schools podcast is released under a Creative Commons 3.0 share like license. In other words, if you like what you hear, go ahead and use it. All right, well, welcome to season three of Shifting uh, Our Schools podcast. I'm excited that we uh, got this underway this year, David. We've uh, been a little bit late getting started. I can't believe it's already the middle of November. But uh, we've got a lot of things to talk about in this first episode. We're just going to mostly be David and I, and we're going to talk about kind of what our plans are for this podcast for the year. And also just for a chance for David and I to catch up, because uh, I believe the last time we talked, David, you were still in Taiwan. I was back in, back in June, and we, we had our season closure, and we're looking out at this season with the big unknown. For me, moving to a different part of the world and a big time difference, um, and then the the transition, but I'm I'm in, and we, our family, we're in a good place now, so we can pick it, pick things up with the podcast. That's good. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about your transition. Uh, I know one of our sessions coming up here in the next couple of weeks, and I just want to know myself because I have not been to those neck of the woods yet. Um, so let's just uh, you know, it's coming up to recruiting season again here in the international world, and. So let's talk about just your transition of your first year. I went through the, the the culture shock and everything last year, and I wasn't in a very good place personally or professionally, to be honest. Uh, but, you know, this year has been a much better for me. And uh, it's that whole trend. And I can't even imagine doing it with kids. I mean, it's just my wife and I, and we've got two cats, and that's a headache. Uh, so I can't imagine doing it with kids and a whole family and everything that come, comes along with that. So uh, maybe just talk a little bit about where you're at, how you're settling in, uh, some of the interesting things maybe that you found out about your new home. Oh, yes, yes. Well, I think one of the, the things that we all have to ask ourselves is where are we in our our life uh, and where are we in, in our work uh, and what kind of schools are we looking for? And for us, we kind of, I think, did the opposite of what I think a lot of people do when you have two middle, middle school boys. Um, to generalize a, a little bit, Asia is, has really been the – the, es- the top echelon for a lot of schools, and as you know, uh, a lot of educators, that's where you want to end up at some point in your career, uh, definitely schools that are well-financed and yeah, great the, tech infrastructure. Well, the pay, the pay packages in Asia are hard to beat, for sure. That's right, big time. And you're going to come into the schools with, with a very competitive market for the teachers, so you're going to get very, very strong teachers for your children. True. We decided that we wanted a smaller school and we wanted a place that had more nuts and granola and different things going on than, than a, a very uh, set up, civil, very civilized, comfortable place that many of the cities in Asia, or we could talk about uh, Europe as well, 
offer, and we wanted a, a, a place where our boys would be stretched a little bit. Um, and so we we started focusing on North Africa, a few of the schools in this area, and we'll go in. in recruiting show, but it was one of those things you've got to sit down and, especially if you're a family, and, and look at all your needs and, and say, where in the world, uh, geographically, and what what size school are you looking for, and what programs do they have, because it's very difficult to leave behind a, a big Asian school with a wonderful arts program, the music programs, oh my gosh, uh, the arts programs, the athletics, um, the the rich technology and information literacy to go to a school that might not have all those, but it's a school that could be in a place where you walk out your door and you really are, you don't have a lot of choice. You start getting involved in the local community. Mm-hmm. So that led us to uh, Morocco, which I've been looking at for a long time. I think people that have been on the circuit, the international school circuit, uh, have known Morocco as a neat and interesting place. People from all over the world travel here for vacations, and that's a pretty progressive culture for uh, for this part of the world, and, and very accepting of people of different um, walks of life and lifestyles. So that that kind of was us coming in, and, and the the transition. Uh, with children is one where you, you really do have to focus on your children's needs and hit the ground with as much effort ahead of time that you can knock things out quickly, like getting your, you're going to get a car, you're going to get your internet, you're, clearly your school's going to hopefully help you find a place. A lot of schools have that covered. Uh, and, then you, and then once you get all those foundation needs covered, you, you spend a lot of time trying to connect your kids with other kids because it's all about the social uh, that they find, hey, I, I'm making new friends here. I'm getting comfortable. So that that's been the process uh, that we've gone into, and then I'll go into more detail when we get to the recruiting recruiting show because I do have some a lot that we learned bypassing going to the recruiting fairs, and that's something that we, you and I have both spoken about in previous shows. Yeah. So what's it like there? I mean, you talk about it being full immersion and, um, you know, one of our, one of our things is, is we, we definitely want to get to Africa before our journey is over overseas. So, I mean, just, you talk about, you know, like you step out your front door and you're in it. What's that like? I mean, what, what's kind of the culture there? (laughs) We're, we're definitely in it. One of the interesting things about Morocco is that you can have a, this big, beautiful gated house and then you walk right next door cinder block houses with 10 roofs and there might be 15 families in it and that's exactly where we live and we live in a in an area called waziz which is oasis in english we're about 10 minutes from the school it's a well-to-do area um but you walk out on the street and Right out front is kind of a congregation area for a lot of the a lot of the gentlemen that live in the, that little settlement, and they're out chatting and talking and, and um, playing soccer in the street. And we walk out, and, and they're gentlemen called guardians at every street corner that they try to make a living. We'll will ask you for some dirham. That's the currency here every month, just to have their eyes open to make sure. No one's trying to break into your place, and if there are any deliveries, that they could help with that. And 
that really comes into place if you live in an apartment building. So you walk out the door, and, and we're right there dealing with people who are challenged economically, but socially, um, and I, I can't even begin to understand their lives. I don't speak Arabic, even and French is the other big language here. But it is an, it's, it's a whole new environment for my boys who had previously lived in Taipei and Hong Kong and that aspect of, of people li- living in struggling socioeconomic situations was something they didn't see unless we traveled uh, into parts of Asia. But even then, we were traveling and staying at hotels and going to the tourist spots. And, uh, it, well, it really it's, is it's, that, it's different yeah. than day-to-day life. I mean, it, yes. yeah, for sure. And your, your boys both spoke pretty good Mandarin, doubt. right? They, they did, and that was <laughs> that's what took us to... Taiwan, just for right. a couple of years, we were really looking for that Mandarin place where the air was relatively clean, and uh, Taiwan offered offered that. And um, so we, we leave, we have that part of their language development. Now they're learning French. And since most of the students, are, the school I'm at is Casablanca American School, and since most of the students are uh, children from Morocco, like a lot of international schools, and this is another topic, um, I think the trend the last several years, more and more schools have become the local well-to-do kids. HKIS, Hong Kong International School, uh, many years ago, in part, to shut down, and there were fewer and fewer expatriates coming overseas because companies uh, are hiring more locally overseas. It's just more cost-effective and uh, your local hire has much more understanding of the culture. Sure. So, and then same thing for Taipei American School, uh, mostly local kids. And here, this is our third school in a row that's mostly local kids um, that want that English speaking environment, the, either the IB diploma or just your regular American curriculum. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're learning French, and the kids, the kids speak the. And so it's been a bit of a little bit of a challenge for them, but really going to help them immerse them in, in the French. So we're very excited about that. Yeah. And, you know, what I wouldn't give to be a kid of an international family. I mean, they're going to be almost – I mean, they're pretty fluent already. Which Are they fluent in Mandarin? I would say they're maybe 60 percent. And there the difficulty was here. And you can go to your Mandarin you – do you have a Mandarin program at ISB? Yes. Because the, the difficulty is going to be putting them out into the environment. And even in tai, Taiwan, I tried to get them in a, in a local uh, society because they've been doing that for a while and tried to do some um, uh, community work. And there were real barriers to just to just getting in. That it's, It just seemed that part of uh, Taiwanese culture uh, was not so accessible, even if you spoke part of the language. So the boys didn't pick it up near as well as we thought they would. Mm. Would because here's something else, and, me and, and we'll let you you talk a little bit about this. The whole world that revolves around these international schools. That if they're going to play sports, if they wanted to get involved in drama, uh, you know, a lot of community activities. So much of it happens on the weekends, and it's an English speaking environment. Here, the Casablanca American School doesn't have as many of those programs. They do have some, but it is a place where you're not going to the school on Saturday to do the soccer tournament. You're going to go join a local soccer club team where all the kids are local kids, yeah. and that's 
really the big reason why we came here. Now, and that's you know that's that's fantastic because you're right. I mean, these international schools make their little English speaking communities, and I I learned more Arabic and probably even more Chinese. Uh, because we moved downtown, like we made the choice to live in downtown uh, Shanghai. So, you know, it was that same thing. It becomes a survival skill to know at least how to count, how to ask for money, how to bargain. Uh, you know, in in Saudi, I think it was even more because we had a car. And so it was getting through checkpoints. You had to be able to be nice to people. You had to understand the customs. We're here in Thailand. I mean, I, I took Thai lessons, and I can find my way home in a taxi when I need to. But, mm-hmm. you know, other than that, I spend my whole day immersed in English language, and most of our kids do too. So I, I, it'll be interesting, too, for your kids because those pathways were created very young in learning another language. And they yeah. always say, you know, the next one's easier. So if they're studying French, I think the interesting thing will be is through this year, I want to keep checking in with you, is mm-hmm. as they're learning French in school, but most of their day-to-day activity might be actually done in Arabic – you know, out mm-hmm. in the local community, how those, I wonder how they'll pick up those two languages. So it, I, it'll be interesting to see, I think. Yes, and, and excellent question, because I, I, I do think, uh, at least we had one commenter for the uh, post I put up at UTech Tips about our season and that we were going to talk talk about international recruiting and what it means to be a, a family overseas and trying to work to meet the needs of your children, because and we go back to our days in Saudi Arabia. We were in different schools, but um, there are certain of the schools that are going to be very upfront to say we're only able to meet the needs of a certain population of students. And what that usually means is at grade level, grade, at grade level above, and gifted and talented. And that if your child uh, comes in with some lower abilities in certain areas and, and potentially has some learning disabilities. That could be problematic, and um, so that's something you, as parents, you've really got to check uh, out and really check out. Well, I know of one couple that we worked with that years ago went to a school that had they'd been told, "Oh, we will help, we'll assist with your child in, in these needs." In place, and then the, the support was not forthcoming, uh, and, it, and it just—I just can't even picture the turmoil that that family went through in one year, and they had to leave. So that's. Another thing to, to put on the table if you're a family to know and then really know. Make For us, we, we ask for uh, other the, the names of families and email contacts and Skype contacts. and We start talking to people here ahead of time. Both of our boys are, are uh, reasonably high-achieving. They're, they're very uh, intrinsically motivated, and they needed an environment where, like they'd had before, very much ending. It's okay to, to love Star Trek and be geeky and and, and, and ask questions in class and in that kind of environment, which is normal to international schools. So that's I'll put that out to any parents listening to really make those contacts at potential schools and ask ask the questions. Yeah. Now let's talk a little bit about your your new school. We talked about mine last year because I was new here. Yes. So um, so yes. give us a little bit about your school. What the makeup? How many kids? Um, mm-hmm. What's going on? Okay. All right. Well, um, we're above 500, so we're a small school, K-12. We're located in a suburb of Casablanca, a beautiful area. One, one of the things that's striking about Casablanca, and I'm going to get to this on my blog post of the week, is the vegetation. It's just so gorgeous. I mean, I could have Bougainvillea coming out of my ears if I stand still long enough. Wow, uh, cool. It's just flowers. 
everywhere. It's gorgeous and beautiful neighborhoods. Casablanca, as people will tell you right up front, is, is not the most beautiful city. Uh, it's not unattractive. Uh, North African traffic is quite an experience, as anyone that's been to Egypt or uh, Tunis and, and now for us to come to Morocco. And it's something you, you learn to get the hang of. Uh, the school itself is, like as I mentioned, um, mainly supports local kids, but there is a smattering at each grade level of a couple international students, a lot more in the elementary school. Uh, we had a desert outing where we all took our trucks and went out to the desert for a day and did some digging for a shark's tooth. And, and it, everyone there, there was your eye opener because I'm working in the high school and not the elementary. Um, the school's at a, a, a very important point uh, in its growth and development. The, we've been very, very fortunate that in our leadership. Um, Dr. Mark Lee, who followed you mm-hmm. to Saudi Arabia, he was just sharing the other day. We had a learning and technology committee meeting and sharing about some follow-up on some of the initiatives you had started at the school there. An incredible leader and, and very uh, a lot of experience in the Middle East, and he knows the culture, but he also know, knows that when you walk in the doors of an international school, you really have to have a set culture of what it means to be um, in an international school and in very high standards and the way things are done. And if you want your kids to go to I, through the IB program, and we're, we're just a diploma school. We don't have the middle year of certain behaviors. Um And he followed Alan Hughes, who was here for three years, who's another very strong director. And we have Patrick Gross in um, the high school, well, the lower school. He's moving on to recruit, but we've walked into a very full fortunate podcast that we talked about the, the value of good leaders. And in these guys, I mean, every other sentence, they're talking about constructivism and discovery learning and how are we going to move forward and and advancing our kids in 21st century skills. So we're in good shape there. And then back to the recruiting, one of the things when you come to a country like Morocco, which some people might look at and go, oh, I don't know much about it. Is it a safe place? And you're going to usually attract people who are more risk takers. And we found that to be very true um, and a very flex, very flexible group of educators and a mixture of local hires who are just the cream of the crop and uh, very dedicated uh, and, and willing to, to try new things. And then they, they bring in the, the new folks who are just say, hey, here's what I – we have people from China, people from the U.S., different international schools and U.S.-based schools. So it's all, everything's in place, and it's the old story now is we're waiting to see on the development of the board, uh, which sometimes comes into focus too much in international schools, and other times, as my buddy Greg Moncada says, is where it should be at 32,000 feet, just taking care of the, the big issues and letting the, the administration cool. So I'm very excited. We're in a good place. Uh, we're going to see what happens uh, with the board. They have some some projects going through the reaccreditation process. But I would say to people out there that are recruiting, uh, Casablanca American School has a lot of potential right now. The other big school is Robot American School. That's one that's been on people's radar screen much more. Um, 
I'll, I'll finish this with one last note. Both the schools have faced a little bit of a difficulty in the last year that the, the taxation laws have changed, where previously they, they were not taxed, and now they are. So at least for Casablanca America School, they've, they've had to really take all their savings and, and pay off the tax bill, but now they're, they're back in the black. And for Robot American School, I know, I'm hearing that they also have had to deal with that too. So we'll see how that, what comes up of that. Hmm. That's great. Now let's talk a little bit about your role because you've, you've changed roles again and, and this is the first time you're, you're in an IB. And I, I, I love how, because we run the podcast, which is very nice, we get to talk about things that are very close to our heart. And one of the first things you said when we started talking about getting this year open is like, I need to learn some stuff about the IB. We need to be talking about more IB stuff. Maybe talk a little bit about yes. what your role is um, at the school and kind of what you're thinking at this point now that we're, whatever, three months into the school year about the IB program, uh, the focus on 21st century literacy. Is it there? What are you, you know, what are some things that, that, um, that you're seeing for like, because is this the first time you've taught IB? It, it is. And, um, and, and I'm, I'm going to be really brief on this one because I have so much to learn, and I think we've, we're going to really connect to the, the larger learning community through through our blogs and, and uh, Twitter to get people on board for that show. Um, but it's it, I remember last year when you brought it up, and you and I and I said, oh yeah, I'm going to be going to teach shifted school in Taiwan, Sinshu International School. Um, and I remember you mentioning that they, they made, that the IB had made the step of moving away from tape recording some assess, assessment to at least an MP3, uh, and it, I think it made us both smile a bit. And in coming here to teach IP, IB European world history, uh, 20th century, it's it's been a it's been a bit of a struggle because it's really been driven towards these external assessments, which are which are essays. Uh, we all we know as good teachers, good writing and, and good critical reading and analytical skills are so powerful. Program, uh, but having these assessments that are paper and pen again and again and again, um, it's been a struggle for me and. Trying to put the curriculum together this year, get enough of it in place that I've already been speaking to my my kids saying, next year when I get next year seniors, I'm going to have the time to finesse many more of these activities so that there I can assess you by letting you collaborate more, use multimedia tools, use the technology, use images, use uh, whatever sound files, primary sources that, that don't always have to be just text, but they could be speeches and different things like that, to show me your learning. And then the big thing, and, and maybe the, the IB teachers will come in and correct me on this, um, for all of us, I think we say making connections to one's life and to other aspects of learning, whether it's current events in history or other... Just normal. Under the con finds class periods to get through the cover, so that's what I'm really I'm struggling with a bit. But I will I, I do feel good coming into the weekend that I did give the kids an alternative assessment for our, our, our unit we're doing right now in Germany leading up to World War II. That and three of the students are going to take me up on it. That so much of uh, the study of the unit is the rise of totalitarian dictatorships. And I challenge the kids to say, 
I would love to see someone, instead of taking this essay exam that I'm going to give you, to create two pieces of multimedia, one where you are going to do a, a, a mock presentation to the lead today, and you're going to play the role of an advisor on how to prevent totalitarian dictatorships. You've got a couple in the region. How can you prevent that from spreading? So it's definitely application. And then, because we, we've dealt a lot with propaganda, Nazi propaganda, that I'm challenging them to put together, again, a, another type of presentation where they are going to teach these um, Asian leaders how propaganda can be misused or how news and media can be misused uh, to subvert any uh, democratic efforts that to kind of just advise them to be more information literate. So I think for my three students, I'm very excited for them. And maybe once they do their presentation and we get to the next unit and I open it up again, I'll see some more hands go up and say, okay, Mr. Carpenter, I I think I want to give it a try. Mm -hmm. So that's my hope. It's a good hope. Andy, uh, Andy's in, Andy Torres is in the chat room uh, mm-hmm. joining us from China. We're not going to talk about how he got out of China into Ustream because uh, there might be other people watching or listening. That's right. Um, but he talks about uh, – he's, he's talking about uh, – they just rolled out their one-to-one program in Shanghai this year. If Andy's up to it, I'd love to get him on when we start talking about one-to-one programs later because uh, he's done a fantastic job there of helping those teachers change. But one of the things um, – he, he mentions – he has a question and he just says, you know, you, you've worked at one-to-one uh, – you were one-to-one yes. in, in Taipei. So he his question to you was, is IB teachers are struggling at his school with the load of content and managing the need for them to spend some valuable classroom time on teaching a few technology skills. Do you see mm-hmm. this as an issue? Uh, you know, how do we balance that teaching a technology skill when, when teachers, you know, that time is so precious to them because there is so much content to – you know, in their eyes, so much content yes. to, to cover. Uh, do you do, could you see that as being an issue where teachers are just like, I just really don't have the time, and it's just easier if I keep doing it without the technology. Boy, that that hits home. I I spent the first week and a half teaching technology as an as putting on my old hat of instructional technologist to to these students, setting up their Google Apps, setting up MindMeister for their mind mapping. Um, are you one to one there? We, it, we, this is what's so interesting, and I'll put this question back to, to you all. Uh, 95% of my kids have laptops of their own, and we're not, we're not wireless and we're not ready. You know, we are, but we haven't turned it on. We have so much information literacy and ethical behavior and responsible use, all the things that, that you and Kim and your crew have built into your curriculum there. We don't have any of that, and, and we have a committee that's developing that. And we're going to get it in place. But as you know, that takes a long time yeah. to really to get the kids to be independent, responsible learners, which we've spoken a lot about. But back to Andy's point, uh, we do have the laptops uh, and the kids do the work and they bring it into class. And it's funny me pulling the butcher paper up and uh, having the kids brain or, or, or uh, collaborate around certain topics like what was happening economically with the Weimar Republic where I just kind of laugh and say, you know, eventually we're going to be wireless and we're going to have a Google Doc and it's going to be up on the screen and everyone's collaborating at the same time and we're instantaneously seeing it. Um, but we're, we're going to get there. Uh, we have great leadership. It's going to happen. Um, but, uh, yeah, that did take time, but I, I'm not 
I'm not a normal teacher. I'm an Abbey normal teacher. That my whole background is technology, so I can't say what it would be like to be a teacher who hasn't been comfortable in using technology. But I, w- but what I would say possibly is, and this is what I'm going to do with the juniors. Um, we'll finish in late spring, and the kids will take their exams. But then I'm going to go to the juniors that I have next year, and I'm going to spend a week with them teaching them all the technology skills that they're going to need for me the following year. So maybe that's one route for all IB schools that you get that that time going into June with your juniors that you can just bring them in and bring your instructional technology people in and, and nail it. Yeah. And the thing is, I mean, if you're, if you're building out a one-to-one program, in the first couple of years when you give the laptops to kids, right, it is really putting a new tool in front of their hands. And, and it's going yes. to take them some time to figure it out. But your hope is is that in two or three years' time, by the times the kids hit those 11th and 12th grade where the IB is very yes. heavy in the content, that the technology skills will be built there. The problem is is getting through those first two or three years of, of a one-to-one program or of getting laptops in the school. And that's a great idea. I love that idea of grabbing, you know, after the exams, you know, the, the pressure's off about the content and getting that through. And then we're going to spend the last two weeks of school getting you prepared for everything you need to do. You know, you need a Google Apps account. Here's how you use Google Docs. Here's how you use a, a – here's how you create a video. Mm-hmm. Let's put you that know? question back. I like that. Oh, yes. And you here you are in the elementary. Um doing all the work, getting the skills in place. And that's what I was doing uh, before I I was in Taiwan with elementary. By the time the kids get to middle school, I just kind of feel that they've got the skills they need. They know how to learn so quickly that it's the case where teachers can just say, okay, I want you to use this new social bookmarking tool. Go to this site, and there's a tutorial. And if we're teaching kids to to be self-learners, they they go do it on themselves or by themselves. Um, question for Andy, and this is Justin Medved was was emailing me about this too when he's going to come on our IB show. How does he find their IB students? Are, are they are they pretty okay with the collaboration outside of class? Let's say that there are some that are using Google uh, Docs or they're or they're using online mind maps. Are many of his students working in project teams and? Even though it's very competitive, they're not so much competing against each other for those those external exams. They're competing against themselves. But is he is he finding? Or, or I can just talk right to you, and I guess you're listening. <laughs> um, what uh, what are you finding in the teachers who who are shifted in their use of technology and building these learning communities for collaboration? Uh, are are the kids? Putting in the time to say I can I can work on providing creating a study guide on on the rise of Nazis with my other three teammates and then we we post that study guide for everybody in the class. Yeah, I'll see if he answers in the chat or I'll see if he's on Skype. If he can get on Skype real quick, we can Skype him into the conversation and let him let him answer that as well. And that and I'll I'll bring up that question with Justin. Yeah, when we get yeah, um, and. So okay, so Andy answered yet. Yeah. He said basically too early to tell at a deep level. I've always found the kids to be very connected to each other in ways that one would not normally expect. Common notes for for you know, common notes are common. But you know, common notes were common when when I was in school. But that was just called yeah. cheating. You know, <laughs> I mean, we didn't call them common notes. It was just you know the girls took the notes and I copied them. Yeah. But um, and it wasn't always the girls that took the notes. I mean, I copied from from my other friends too. But. Uh, but you know, I mean, that's 
I don't know. You know, I, I think you, you raise a good question, and it'd be interesting. I mean, if you have ninety five percent of your kids already have their own laptop, you know, would there be ways that they can collaborate outside of the school on things like wikis and Google Docs and you know those tools mm-hmm. that really allow for that collaboration? It'd be interesting. Maybe there's a maybe there's a, a trial in there for you. Yes, yes, and and, and we will be one to one before we know it. Now, um, for you and in. Being at ISB, this is your third year now, yeah. Uh, second year, so the second. Yeah, okay, what? Yeah. Oh, last year was your first. Okay, yeah. so how's it? How's it been coming back and everything in place? But I thought your roles have, at least your job titles, have changed a little bit. Um, yeah, actually, it's been very interesting for me, um, and, and one of the one of the reasons why it's been interesting for me, I think, is because. I actually have the same job two years in a row, which has only happened to me like, I don't know, eight years ago or seven years ago when I started. Uh, so, and I'm, I, I don't do really good at that, actually. I, you know, I like to move. I like to change. I have to, I, I have this feeling of having to keep things going, but it's been good for me to force myself to, you know, slow down um, and actually see some growth. Uh, so, you know, this year we have been off to a fantastic start tech-wise. Um, uh, Stephen Lehman, our, our tech director, left last year, um, and we were fortunate enough that Chad Bates, who was the elementary or the middle school technology integration person last year, was actually the IT person at Kuala Lumpur, and so he stepped into that role, and it's been a seamless transition, you know, because basically mm-hmm. we that handoff was within within uh, the school. And uh, he's done a fantastic job of keeping everything going. We've upgraded our wireless over the summer, so we're running a straight-end network. Um, Mm -hmm. We've got uh, 20 megabytes now coming in, and Chad has worked really hard. Um, Our IT director has worked really hard at making sure we have a constant connection to the Internet, which is always something, you know, in these South these Southeast Asia countries is, is very difficult. Um, but he's done a fantastic mm-hmm. job. I mean, our internet, especially about the last month, month and a half, has just, and I should knock on wood because, you know, tomorrow if it goes down, he's going to blame me. Um, but it, it really has been uh, really good, and it's made a world of difference. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. our biggest thing, our biggest complaint last year was VoiceThread. You couldn't actually record a comment on VoiceThread. And this year, man, we're creating VoiceThreads left and right and never have a hiccup. Uh, so it's been really good on an infrastructure end. Um, on the actual uh, teacher end, I think we're, we've kind of reached this tipping point, and I take absolutely no credit for it. Uh, it's you know Justin Medved, who's going to be on our next show, was kind of their first elementary technology integration person that they brought in. And actually, I just found out his first year here, he was still teaching labs, you know. Um, so in three, so what was that? That was two years. Last year was one. So in three and a half years time, we've gone from the school used to have a lab setting to full integration mm-hmm. to the point mm-hmm. where things are happening at such a level that we can't keep up. And I think a big part of that has been, and I put the link in the chat there is the Cotel course that we started running last year, which is the certificate of educational technology mm-hmm. and information literacy, which is, which we're running through SUNY, uh, Buffalo state SUNY. And, uh, we've got 30, Seven of our teachers have taken that course, and it's being taught by Chad, Dennis Harder, Kim, and I, myself. We're all taking turns kind of teaching the different uh, courses. And that has been a huge, huge benefit to to our staff because we might only have one or two people in a grade level or on a, on a team, but those one or two people are going through and learning the skills and learning the tools and building their, their technology toolkit, and they're making things happen within their grade levels. And uh, mm-hmm. it, that has been probably... By far the the biggest um, 
the biggest thing that's changed our school in the last year is is that program. It's been so successful that we had teachers that didn't sign up last year have asked if we would run it again. And so just two weeks ago, we put out and uh, put out an email to staff and said, you know, if 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 you if there's any interest, we'd be willing to run the course again. We had another 25 teachers sign up. So basically, in two years, you will get a certificate, which is 15 credits, a master's, you know, master's mm-hmm. level credits, which is good because, of course, everybody needs those for recertification and moving up pay scale and stuff. So there's benefit on that end for for the people to go through the program. Um, but at the same time, you know, to have we'll have almost a third of our staff will have gone through this. Um, very, what I think is a very well laid out, very scripted program that takes them, you know, we talk about um, a theory and we talk about tools and we talk about implementation. Mm-hmm. Every course ends with a project that goes right back into their classroom, um, you know, and it's just been, it's been such a great, great motivator for our school. So that's really got our school on a high this year and we literally can't keep up with it. Like I'm finding projects, last year between Kim and I, um, who were both supporting the elementary last year. Uh, we could probably we, we knew where every project was going because our hands mm-hmm. were probably on it at some point at one time. This year, I can't keep up. Like I'll, I'll find yeah. I'll find some teachers made a voice thread and not even know that they were using voice thread. You know, and I'll come across it and I'll be like, "This is an amazing piece of work." You know, and, and they're just they're we're starting to get more and more people at that independent level, mm-hmm. uh, which is which you know allows for those kind of things to organically grow. So, so it's it's been a you know it's been a great year to get started. Uh, and it's it's uh, Kim Cafino has moved into the middle school um, tech role that that Chad left, and so she's actually been splitting her time this year. She wasn't full time, mm-hmm. so she's been splitting her time, still trying to help me in the elementary where we've had the most growth, um, and I need it, and uh, also trying to fill the gap in the middle school as well. So she's been she's been working her hiney off this year, trying to play that dual role, uh, and we're hoping that next year. We'll be able to move those back to three full time positions mm-hmm. elementary, middle school, and high school. So we'll see how it goes. But it's uh, it's been a good year school wise. So you can't complain, can't complain too much. Well, you know what jumps out of me when we look at the continuum of shiftedness um, that here your school that has so much going for it leadership wise, infrastructure wise, risk taking faculty, great leaderships from your uh, IT people and your librarians that you do you you, you hit a bit of a Plateau. One way to break break through that plateau, um, if you're at that uh, tipping point, is to offer courseware like you all offered. Because it it makes me think back to our days in HKS. What helped us break through, sadly, was when we had SARS and we had to go virtual. So that kind of pushed us over the edge uh, to really bring a lot more staff on board and, and, and make it part of the culture to be a in information literacy uh, and technology school. Yeah. Uh, uh, and so I, the, I wrote a blog post on that, you know, that um, in the three schools I've been at, I, it's, you know, for some, some people see it as a, you know, a scary thing. Geez, Louise, as a tech person, I see it as an opportunity. You know, when yes. we were in Saudi Arabia, when we had the terrorist attacks, all of a sudden we needed to start thinking about what happens if we have to close. And so we installed Moodle as a way that if we closed, we could at least graduate our, you know, it wasn't the best setup, but we could graduate kids and get them through the rest of their content, you know, to get out of school. Um, and then I, I moved to Shanghai right after SARS. And so they were starting to set that stuff up, um, you know. And so we, we installed Moodle at, um, 
at, at Shanghai American School. We got teachers starting to use Moodle, and that really propelled us into everything to what now where they've gone one to one. I mean, that for me, that was truly you know a momentous moment when we started getting high school teachers to start using Moodle, seeing how that works, and then of course it just snowballs into you know everything. Mm-hmm. Now it's H one N one. And here in, you know, we've yes. had, we had Moodle last year and it was kind of, it wasn't required last year, but you could, you know, you could, um, choose to use it or not. Well, because of the H1N1 scare, all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, if, if we were to close, we need to be able to go virtual. So now all of a sudden it's like, all right, teachers, you need to be ready to use Moodle in the middle school, high school, the elementary, everybody needs to have a blog. You need to understand that. Mm-hmm. You need to make sure your parents know where to go to get information. So, you know, because of H1N1, our tech skills and our tech support has gone through the roof. Um, yes. But I, it's, it's interesting how, how that works. Like you almost... You know, I almost wonder if tech people, you know, create H1N1 kind of things to move schools. That's not a bad idea at some point. Well, thankfully, it's so mild. We've had two of our grade levels. Uh, we just had one case in the 12th grade and one in the ninth. So by the, the, the government ruling, they have to go home for five days. And it, it's pushed us a little bit. We have Edline to a very limited degree. That's our kind of our learning portal and we're just beginning to look at developing our content management system and all that. And we're, we're looking at the plan you put together at Shanghai and the one I used in Sinchu. We're looking at HCAS and all that comes together, and we'll talk about that later. But it, it is, thankfully, H1N1 is mild, but it is uh, percolating discussions and getting people to, to plan. And as you and I know, um, You get people starting to to use these these tools. They, they do become a part of their everyday teaching, and, and there's no longer virtual school. All you do is just say, "Okay, we're closed for three weeks. Just keep doing what you're normally doing, and you're ready to go." Um, Jeff, I do want to ask one real practical thing with with all the folks in your course from last year and this year. I'm just wondering if there's any possibility, if whether it's on New Tech Tips or the Thinking Stick or another place that one could, they could post uh, their projects so that we could learn from mm. from their learning that would be really kind of cool yeah and actually their projects are all on the on the wiki that i put in the um, in the chat and that it's it's all run on a on a wiki the whole course okay. is open for everybody um, kim and i and, and dennis have have we believe in openness i mean you can you can mm-hmm. you take anything you want from anything that we've produced but uh, the website is actually cotel c o e T-A-I-L dot Asia. And if you go there, you can click like on course one and then it'll take you to a new page. And then over on the left hand in the nav bar, you can go down and see projects. And when you click on the project page, you can see that we use an understanding by design template and everybody does their unit plan uh, in a template. You can also click on, and I think the more important part is, is you can go and click on the blog list page. And every one of our, or the very first thing we do is set everybody up with a blog. Uh, you don't write any papers in our class, but you are expected every week to write reflective blog posts. And mm-hmm. again, it's getting them to understand the tool of blogging. Uh, it's getting them to, uh, you know, use that, understand how to use it so that they can support their kids because we're very big in the blogging at the school. And uh, so it, it helps with that, but that also becomes part of their thing. So all of their all of their projects are posted on their blogs as well. So you know either one of those ways you, you can get to all of that all of that information. And what's going to be what I'm really interested in is as we start this second cohort that we'll be able to use these projects that were created by the first cohort to even go deeper in our understanding yes. and thinking. You know, like okay, you're a fifth grade, you're you know you're a sixth grade humanities teacher. Let's go and see what the sixth grade humanities created last year. How do you improve on that, or how do you make something that might be tailored off of that? 
Um, so I, I think there's some possibility there. But every we've put everything out there, um, and there's been some fantastic things that have come out of it. Um, our whole fifth grade, uh, our fifth grade, we have three fifth grade teachers in it, and they designed a digital literacy unit. So now digital literacy and understanding how to read websites and how to be safe is actually part of our reading program in fifth grade, which is perfect because that's when kids are set up with their blog or giving control mm-hmm. of their of their blog. Um, so it's there's been some really good things. The second course last year, the cohort actually rewrote all of our acceptable use policies, which oh. you know is fantastic. Those are one of those things where we have to constantly keep those changing with with yes. the times. And uh, so here we actually had teachers who had a stake in it. And so the the primary teachers wrote a primary one for primary kids that was perfect for you know their language and parents and and you know what they needed and we had the high school teachers write one that covered high school and the school adopted it. So here, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's been a great course as, as far as being able to move the school forward and, and having people actually engaged in some real authentic things that our school can use. So we'll see yeah, how it goes, cool. but, uh, but yeah, all the projects are there. Uh, feel free to take a look and uh, everything's released under a creative commons share alike license. So as long as you contribute, they're free to have. Well, that, that, that really connects. I know we need to finish up, but one of our themes, kind of looking out at the year, one of our, one of our themes we want to share with the audience is we, we want to delve into the practical whenever we can, that we, to bring on science educators, language arts educators who have shifted classrooms and can share some of their practices with us. And so right off the bat, it looks like we've, we've, we've got a, a, a group of people there that we can call on from your school and maybe get a, a few of them on from time to time to talk about how, what they're doing, whether it be IB history or middle years program or just regular um, English uh, teaching literacy to second graders. That would be that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, I can hit them up. They all know how to run Skype now. That's part of the program. So. <laughs> We can get them. We can get them on this show. So, yeah, and, and you know, uh, as we start wrapping up here, we can kind of talk about what our hopes are for the show this year. What we're really hoping is that we'll be able to open up the Skype line here uh, to people that want to call in if they have questions, if they want to take part in the chat. Um, what I encourage you to do is, if you plan on joining us, if this is a good time to join us live, uh, then all you can do is add SOS Podcast uh, to your Skype contacts, and we'll be using that contact. Uh, when we're doing the podcast and if there's something you want to jump in on um, you know we'll, we'll open up the Skype lines on some of the episodes maybe not all the episodes but on some of the episodes we'll, we'll open them up and, and hear what you have to say let you ask questions or um, you know, add your two cents to the conversation because I, I think that's part of what it is. You know, and, and for yes. me, this is this is this is professional development time for me. So the more I can learn, um, uh, you know, the better it is. And, and again, it's just sharing out the podcast to everybody else. So um, our hope is with that. So if you can, if you just want to be a part of that, or you think you want to be a part of that in the future, go ahead and just add SOS Podcast to your Skype account, and um, I'll accept you when I log in, and and we'll be ready to go for future episodes. We just hope that uh, please do have on earbuds and a good microphone, and remember to shut off the uStream when uh, when you do get called in, so we don't get the feedback. But. Other than that, I think I think anything else about how we hope the show runs this year, except you know your great essential questions in our Google Doc that you continually come up with. I'm just so amazed at the the depth of the questions that you continue to find us, David, for this for this podcast. Well, I'm glad I'm glad they're helpful. We we both get keep getting feedback that we are connecting to the community and, and people people are, are are learning from from what we're talking about. And boy, we learn when we have people come on the show and. In that international perspective, because it's 
it really, and this will lead to my blog post of the week, This it's an incredible life to be an international educator. And I can't think of another way to have raised and, and continue to raise my two sons uh, than the way we've been doing it. Um, so with that, my blog post of the week is uh, just a quick link to Flickr and under the search term Morocco and, and let people see the beauty of this incredible country. And my my uh, camera doesn't sit still very often. I am taking photos all the time, and we have we've done a lot of travel. We have we're going to Marrakesh next week, and we're going to Fez in December, and all the way south down towards the desert down there. We're going to. We're going to know if it's just so much. Uh, so it's a great life, and uh, as always, very appreciative of our audience uh, cluing in and, and, and sharing and listening to what we have to say. Yeah. Well, I've got a couple of links to share. As we've had some great things happen here, and of course, it's always about the kids. So the first link I want to share is uh, just the link to the Women Women of the Web 2.0 podcast, where last week. Uh, my my wife and she's going to kill me because every I've been plugging her now for for a, a week and a half straight. But uh, she was able to, as the middle school counselor, take some kids up with Operation Smile, which helps kids uh, that have a cleft palate and cleft lip. Uh, and they fly in doctors who give their time to come in and do surgeries for these kids. And she was able to take nine middle schoolers up uh, to Sarin, which is about six hours uh, north here of Bangkok, and was able to. Uh, really do an amazing job of capturing what it was that was happening there. And she's taking the course and, you know, Kim or the other instructor always grades her. So there's not a conflict of interest. Um, but she, um, she, she just gave, made sure, and she told every kid, bring your cameras and, you know, and she took two flip cameras from school and they just got so much raw footage and I think that's it was it was a it was a, just an eye opening thing for me when when teachers are saying well how do you get started with this you've just got to get footage and so every so they had nine kids with their own cameras their own video cameras taking loads of pictures and video she was taking loads of pictures and videos and when they came back she made the most amazing and if you go to the the edtechtalk.com slash women of the web two and go through the chat you'll see the links to the YouTube videos there and we'll put them in the show notes as well because the more we can spread the message it's fantastic so she came yes. back and she'd only only uh, been using. She only had about an hour of iMovie uh, that she'd used iMovie, and actually one of our Cotel courses when we were talking about making movies. And she sat down on a Sunday, and eight hours later, turned out a wonderful uh, YouTube video that she's posted now and, and put in her blog. and And it was it was so well done, and really brought to attention, you know, through her eyes what what she felt um, when she was up there. But I think the real story was, is that two of the, two of the kids went home that same weekend and decided that they were going to write their own stories and they both uploaded their own YouTube videos. And so the the podcast is what I want to link to because the podcast was the nine kids were released from class on Tuesday and you get to hear the kids talk about the power of technology. They get, they, they talk about what technology is at, at our school. And it's great because you get to hear it from the kids voice. You know, they talk about how awesome smart boards are and that we're getting these new RFID lockers that open with their badges and they're so excited for that and the, how much they use computers. But then they also talk about, you know, why why do you upload videos to YouTube? 
they talk about that it's a mass communication. And, you know, the one girl says she already has 50 views and she starts clapping. And, you know, like the, the sense of audience that they feel uh, along with everything that they learned on Operation Smile uh, was just fantastic. So uh, I really encourage people to go listen to the podcast. If you want to listen to, you know, some international kids who talk about being international, talk about what school's like here for them. And, uh, and you also get a sense of Operation Smile and what, uh, what they're doing for Operation Smile. So, so that was my link of the week. I think that, that was a – for me, that it's very personal because my wife's involved in it too. But it really is a, a great project that, that the kids have done and been involved with as well. So I just wanted to give kudos to those kids. I keep spreading their message. And they're, they're excited now because they're in iTunes, which was the big thing. <laughs> you know, I was trying to tell them, I'm like, you know, this is going to be broadcast live. People are going to be able to download you for years to come. And, and finally, one of the girls said, well, are we going to be in iTunes? I was like, well, yeah, you're going to be in iTunes. And it wasn't until that point that all of a sudden all nine of them were like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. <laughs> you know, there was this – that, and I was thinking to myself, I was like, how did I forget to tell them that? Like that was, that was the clicker for these middle schoolers that all of a sudden, you know, I could download the latest – the latest Jason Mraz song, and I can download myself in the Whoa. same place. You know, you 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 literally are on the same par with their with their you know their favorite artist, and uh, that was and so all week it's been is the iTunes link there? Is the iTunes link there? So uh, it's it's been fantastic. So uh, it's been really good. Cool. So all right. So uh, all right. Uh, well, one last thing, and I have to I have to give this plug. Otherwise, Kim Cafino uh, will. Uh, beyond my case for it but uh don't forget that the a k-12 online conference kicks yes. off at the end of this month and isb's very own king confido is giving the pre-conference keynote mm-hmm. and uh i can't say much about the pre-conference keynote um but i i i, I was given a a sneak peek um, as she finished it up earlier this week, and there's been a big – you could actually, I think, see the weight fall off her shoulders when she yes. uh, finally uploaded it to the site, and it's, it's, ready, it's ready to rock and roll. But um, it's not it, – it's going to be a very um, – it's going to be a very interesting uh, pre-conference keynote. And as international educators, I, th- I think they'll, you'll really uh, appreciate uh, what she has to say. It's about 40 minutes, and uh, it's, very, it's very Kim Cofino. It's top-notch, very well done. Um, very um, international, and you can read about that on her blog as well. But it's it's going to be excellent. Um, so I, I got to plug that and know that you know we'll be talking on December second, I believe, is when K twelve starts. So we'll be talking about it more on that show mm-hmm. too as they start releasing the start releasing the videos. So I'm excited right. to see what this year brings. It's always what's one of the best conferences, awesome. and it's free and it's on the web. So K twelve online dot org. So. All right, so let's talk about December second. Yes, we're going to have Justin Medved join us from O Canada and uh, share with us his experience. He's been in a couple IB schools he shared with me, and his current school has all three programs, and it's all totally integrated. I'm really excited. For any folks with some experience with IB, uh, please... Try to connect with us through Skype, setting up that SOS podcast uh, uh, um, listing in your Skype and come on and join us. And then moving on to uh, December 16th, we're going to, as mentioned before, how to recruit to be an international educator. And since we have Andy there, Andy, you're the man we want to have come on that show. So let us know if you can join us for that one because 
Uh, Shanghai American, talk about a, a school that's been going through a boom for many, many years and doing a lot of recruiting and just doing wonderful, wonderful things and getting uh, the cream of the crop to, to come work there. It'd be very interesting to hear if we can get Andy to come in and talk about what's been happening just the last year or two. Because uh, And I'll pipe in on how the, the recruiting season's moved earlier and earlier and more direct contact and use of technology and having electronic portfolios to share who you are and, and how you teach. There's just a lot going on. Yeah, and uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to, to talking to Justin uh, next week. We 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 I, I don't actually get to like talk to him. Uh, mm-hmm. We've had emails, of course, uh, through the transition, and and talked to him a lot before I moved down here. But I, I did take I did take his place, and I have so much respect for Justin uh, for what mm-hmm. he did here at this school and got this school moving forward. And uh, if you've never heard Justin speak before. Uh, please come to that or download that podcast because the guy is amazing and he gets it on a level yes. that um, I'm still trying to get to. So, uh, so that that will be very good. So I look forward to that. That'll be December second. And with that, I think that's going to wrap up this episode. David, it's been so great to talk to you. I can't believe it's already November, and the last time we've actually skyped each other is when you you uh, was the end of last season. So it's great to be back in touch, and I'm glad we finally got this off the ground. Definitely, my friend. So, all right. So uh, we're going to call that show one, and that's the kickoff to season three. Excited to be back. We'll be see you on December second with Can the IB Curriculum Be Shifted? And our special guest, Justin Medvin. Until then, shifting those schools.